This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. of Joy 94.9 with Sonia the Squeamer and Clay Talks. Undead. <laughs> Here we are. Sci-Fi and Squeams, a very special movie podcast and more. We've once again ventured out of the grave. Yes, out of the grave. It's a bit like that on uh, Saturday public transport. In any case, in Melbourne town, it is gloomy and overcast. It's perfect for an undead moment. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. our moments this week have been in different degrees Stretched. of alive. <laughs> How long are we going to carry with this undead, um, you know, analogy? I don't <laughs> no. know. As long as it takes to, you know, resuscitate us. Oh. <laughs> and resuscitate <laughs> is probably a key word. Depends tonight. on the film we watched this week. Yes. Mm. Uh, of course, Melbourne International Film Festival is still going strong. Uh, another week or so to go. Already some encores have been announced, and one of those is actually one of the films that we're going to talk about in this podcast of Undead, and that's The Neon Demon. More of that later. And we've also got coming up High Rise mm-hmm. and The Lure. The Lure. But we're going to kick off with Baskin. Baskin. Oh, uh, we've got another one, haven't we? Just... Oh, is there another one? Uh, maybe not. Maybe I should get my shit together. Oh, there's emo. No, Baskin, Baskin. We, we, we decided good. to do Gmail. There's Eyes of My Mother. Oh. The Eyes of My Mother. But that had one screening and, and yeah, pretty much almost Been there and gone. my eyes out yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. Literally. I look, very quick mention. We did watch Emo the Musical. We're choosing not to review it. And to be kind, we're not going to review something that we wouldn't be kind to. No, to so we're going to skip that one. Um, but if it's your thing, go and enjoy. Go and do something. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with Baskin. Our director is Khan Ivronov. Uh, it's a Turkish film. It's in subtitles in Turkish. And the tags are, for the Melbourne International Film Festival, uh, a dark and deranged horror. Clayton. Yep, that, that's pretty good. That's uh, pretty good. <laughs> uh, Baskin translates to raid, mm-hmm. so which mm, makes enough sense <laughs> in the film. Yes. And it's actually the, only the eighth Turkish film to be released in the United States, which is quite incredible. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. I realise we're not in the United States, by the way, but <laughs> still, it's an yeah. uh, interesting fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how would you? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, look, I was thinking about this as hard as I could, considering, you know, watching it, um, uh, trying to watch it as quickly as I could. It's probably something that you, you sit through, you endure, you, you don't want to sit too long, but it's not till after that it stops the, the visions or visuals stop flickering on the screen that you realize what the hell 
have I been seeing? And I think it's all about hell. And it's interesting that, you know, it could be a Dante's Inferno. It could be translated from many of those Hieronymus Bosch paintings. It's, mm. um, it's a hellish ride, certainly. And, uh, the metaphors are very strong and very bloody. In this about yeah. police, what's the plot basically? Uh, a group of policemen of varying ages venture off on a night to back somebody up. I believe it is to mm. provide backup, and end up in this horrible, nightmarish world. They do uh, where they? they where they all have a different fate. Yes, uh, yeah, it does remind me of a lot of those. It has all the tropes of, um, I guess. Uh, Torture, redemption, uh, what have I done with my life? Kind of like flashbacks or flash forwards. And it sets, it sets up a scene that leads to, yeah, very squeamish. Very, very squeamish, squeamish moments. Quite psychosexual. Um, very. I mean, yeah. you, of course, did bring up the transphobic aspect to it. Right at the beginning. Right at yeah, the beginning. There is a bit, there's a bit of transphobia that kicks off the film, which, you know, mm. I didn't. Uh, look, well, great, uh, in the know. in the times we live in, as mm. I was trying to explain uh, off air, the times we live in, it is a sensitive time for many people, of course, sure. in our community. Uh, storytelling has always been in horror, has always been explicit usually, and uh, there are many cases in horrific films in the past where uh, we've seen, I guess, what we would call now transphobic. Silence of the Lambs is a great example. Oh, Buffalo Bill and mm-hmm. probably many others I can't think of at this time of the day. Uh, but with Bashkin, it's no hold bars. Literally, the cocks are there yep. and the men are there. It's a very testosterone masculine world. Definitely. It's deliberate, I believe, to be like that. I think so too. To portray men like that. And this is a group of uh, unsullied police gentlemen meeting at a restaurant and we're not sure if they've been on a case prior to that but they're having coffee or chilling out basically and it's definitely uh, an unwind feeling from something that's happened something's just happened before. so they're just kicking back yeah literally um and then they the bullying they start bullying one uh, of the waiters one of the waiters it turns quite graphic then they're called up like you said to go and um check out some crime scene or an yeah. incident that's happened and what is the incident it takes them to this uh abandoned uh, derelict kind of building that was according to them as before they go in there and venture in there to find out what's going on um it was previously a police station yeah from the ottoman days from the ottoman days and of course anyone who knows anything about Turkish history, and I'm no expert, would understand that uh, it's not about Ottoman couches. The Ottoman Empire was what we would consider in our age that we live in, our very first world, you know, safe and sound world, well, mm. for us here. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, in Australia, most of us, um, to be probably one of the most brutal um, types of, yeah, um, Regimes, I would say, Definitely. over hundreds yeah. of years. Um, yeah, let's just say it's quite a beautiful mm. building, though. You have to give it that. <laughs> like, the buildings are lovely, but yeah, yeah. Um, but not run this down. particular building. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what happens? They enter the building. Uh, we've got Remzi, Arda, Yavus, Apo, and Safi. Um, and yes, they come across some interesting characters. <laughs> they do. Um, the Melbourne International. Film festival nearly threw in a queer there. Uh, <laughs> um, likened it to Nightmare on Elm Street. I think I would much more throw it into the realm of Hellraiser. I think it has much more of that Certainly, feel to it. Yeah, and um, 
Frogs. What's with the frogs? There's a lot of frogs. They never explain. Frogs just turn up, you no, know. No, maybe a spoiler, but still, the frogs are not explained. <laughs> the frogs are not explained. It must be some sort of metaphor for mm, something. Uh, yes. Toads, frogs. Um, yeah, there's sexism in this. There's moments of Victoria's Secret models they're talking about. There's uh, transphobia. Um, but then they go to this neighborhood. It's uh, in Chacha. I think it's called in Chacha. Uh, this neighborhood. And it has all these sort of, what would you call it, um, rumours about it or uh, what do you call it when you have – oh, God, you probably have to edit that bit. Yeah, that's fine. That's crap. I'm not really sure what you mean, so I can't help. Oh, <laughs> uh, when reputation. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. this particular neighbourhood with the building is set mm-hmm. has a reputation and uh, – they meet some other characters. Well, basically, they have a car accident, mm-hmm. don't they? They do. The vehicle, you know, goes off. Off-road into road, the water. Into the water. And then they meet these characters who are like, who are they? They're having a, a fire by the side of the road. They weren't there before. No. So that's sort of a giveaway of what might be going on. It's very un. It's not, what was going it, hard on. Hard to understand. It's it's hard to understand what's happening. <laughs> I I think I enjoyed it, but yep. it, enjoying being a s- interesting use word to use for this. Mm. But I found the scenes were just played out too long. It took yeah. so long for one person to walk like five meters, and I just I needed them to just compress that. Mm. Well, the, the, this is taken from a short film that has been extended into a much longer film. Mm. Maybe just a little more writing might have been needed to get in there to sort of make the scenes a little more interesting. Yeah. I think it creates suspense, but a little bit – I got bored in the suspense. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. And it comes back to that main character. What's his name? Um, the main character. I think of that. Is it Arda? Arda, yeah. It comes back to him, played by Gorkem Castle. It comes back to him, he's a younger police officer, again and again, about some nightmarish nightmare, well, nightmare that he had when he was a child, mm. hearing his mother copulating or having yeah. sex of some sort mm. in, in, in the bedroom, but you can't see her, and he's going towards the door, and then this uh, frightening, bloody arm appears. Uh, to reach out to try and grab him or something, and he wakes up. So it's got all those metaphors of dream. Which I think is where the Nightmare on Elm Street comparisons came from, but yeah, I, I don't think that quite works, though. It's not... It, like, I, do you think... Uh, yeah, that, I think Nightmare on uh, Elm Street is kind of like a kid's movie compared to this. And the person, if you can call it a person, mm-hmm. <laughs> that plays the evil... Uh, is he a Koskin? They call it Koskin or something? A Koskin? I thought they said Coxon, but Koskin. Um, <laughs> he is coxin. quite short. He is quite yeah. short. He has to use a stool to stand on. Yes, it's very. Stool to stand it's an interesting choice to sort of create that, to that do stool has a metaphor in itself. Yeah, his torturous moments. But I think he's called a Koskin, and that must be some sort of evil entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a goblin or some sort, and uh, not particularly um, fashionably good looking. No, no, no not, not, tra- at all. Not, not traditionally good looking. Not Let's traditionally. That's the. Yeah. Fashionably, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you like that. Sort of yeah, it's, it could be your thing. So, what, um, what are you going to give this out of ten? F- oh, I'm giving this a seven, actually. A seven? Yeah. I'm going to go a six. I think it needed really? a lot of work to be a good film. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't. But it's pretty dislike exciting. It, I mm-hmm. mean, no, it's great to see uh, films coming from that part of the world. Absolutely, like um, eighth Turkish films are coming yeah. into the Western world, really. So it's fabulous yeah. as far as that goes. So I, I hope people go and see it. 
um, check it out for themselves. It is still got one more session, I believe, uh, August the 12th at the Melbourne International Film Festival here in Melbourne. 12th of August, check it out. It's one of the late sessions, so I think that's probably perfect. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you uh, need to come out and be in the dark because <laughs> you need to be scared as yeah, you walk out. maybe rub some blood and oil on yourself as mm-hmm. you enter. Well, yeah. actually, they probably won't let you in. He puts the that. lotion on his skin. Mm-hmm. Or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. All right. We're we'll, uh, going dead. to head on shortly into a new film. You're on Sci-Fi and Scream Undead. I'm Clay Talks, and you are? Here. <laughs> Live, I was looking for your name, apparently. but yeah, sure. Oh, yes. I didn't put my name badge on. No, today. no. Who are I'm you? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'm Sonia. Sonia. Sonia the Squeamer. The Squeamer. You're on Sci-Fi and Scream Undead, a podcast of Joy 94.9. 
I am Clay Tox and I'm sitting here with Sonia the Squeamer. And mm. Sonia, you have seen a film I haven't had been lucky enough I to see. The Neon Demon. The Neon Demon. Oh my God. Look, it's basically anyone who hasn't heard about this film, where have you been? Seriously, it's uh, considered a headliner for the Melbourne International Film Festival and now we know why. Uh, it is Nicholas Wending Raffin. That's how you spell his name. And how you say his name? Raffin, not Raffin. Um, the Danish auteur of, goodness me, style and pizzazz, let's face it. Um, he is bringing it this time. Uh, we've had to wait a bit for something. Uh, Have drive? We s- we'll be doing, oh, Drive. Okay. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me. Yeah. For you, I, I know there I was another drive. film after that, but um, here it is. Yes. It's going to be one of the blockbusters. Already has. It was on standby and sellout first two sessions. And now, August the 14th, it has got another session. Ooh, actually, it's got a session on Sunday the 4th and a session. So, two more sessions. Um, uh, Sunday the 4th was a couple of... Oh, sorry, the 4th <laughs> was a couple of days ago. So, oh, shit. we're okay. not going to that one. <laughs> Let's get that. All right, the 14th. There you go. The 14th. Wow, that's great. 6.30, nice and early for young fellows and fellowesses to go and see. Um, yes, it's been described as his latest and best, a gorgeous, grisly work which holds a vanity mirror up to modern society's corroded moral code. Little white lies. Well, goodness, getting all moralistic. But look, let's face it, the pedigree is perfect. Uh, we have playwrights Mary Laws and Polly Stenham. Uh, this is very provocative, having two women uh, playwrights, actually playwrights, not film screenplay writers, that's not their background, but to actually have um, those two women in particular working on this, it's, it's very interesting. Mary Laws has worked on Preacher, the television series, uh, she's done a couple of episodes there, and Polly Stenham, uh, a very young and a very talented uh woman has or english playwright uh, who played that face she wrote that when she was 19 and it was a huge hit in um, in the uk so did very well i believe it's going to be made into a film but look their pedigree is there these are i would say feminist uh women who are involved in writing normally plays uh and now television for mary laws mary laws is a texan so there you go um, I don't know if she has a 10-gallon hat, but perhaps someone could have used one in this film. For the blood. Uh, for the for the, for the the blood. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think for the bodies, for the blood. Mm. Um, I've just, uh, from the Melbourne, Melbourne yeah. International Queen, feel, uh, the Melbourne, really I really am having queer issues today. <laughs> I like from the that. Melbourne I'm inter- really having queer issues today. Well, thank you. Brisbane wants to get rid of the word queer. Oh, do they? Yes, the LGBTIQ community up there are voting on it. No, I'm happy to have it. Fuck them. Oh, wow. Okay, sure. Keep that in. <laughs> no, I'm cool with the word. Me. I like Sorry. the word to use to get for myself. <laughs> like the you are. Yeah. Low blood sugar. Uh, <laughs> on the Melbourne International Film Festival site, I like their description, so I'm going to read a small bit of it. Mm-hmm. An intoxicating eyegasm to behold. The film draws inspiration from sources as varied as the legends of Narcissus and the Countess Bathory. <laughs> There's no Zelda as far as I know. No. And the Countess Bathory. Italian Giallo and Alejandro Jordovsky, Black Swan and Suspiria. That's a bit of a mix. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. If you like Suspiria and Jalo, and uh, you're going to recognise us straight away. Basically, a young, a young lady uh, played by um, Dakota Fanning. No, Al Fanning, because her sister is Dakota. Yeah, Dakota, Dakota's the sister. Oops. Yeah. Um, 
she's Jessie and she's come from somewhere in the Midwest. Who knows? Who cares? She's come to the big city, to Hollywood, the big splash town, the big neon demon, I suppose you call it. Oh. LA woman, you know, she is a pretty woman, but she's a city of night. She's a city of light. Uh, Jessie comes there. She stays in this rundown motel. God knows why. But she's there and she wants to make it a modeling, as you do. She has some terrible photos that's been taken um for her by a suitor as such, a young man. Uh, Carl Glusman plays Dean, and he would love probably a little bit more uh, where that comes from with Al. But he's done these... Um, the first scene opens with her covered in uh, from neck to shoulder in blood. Of course, it's not real blood, but it's glossy makeup blood. It looks pretty good. And she's lying on a chaise lounge being photographed by uh, Dean. Now, throughout the film, uh, we see that Al... Oh, I should say Jessie is trying to make her way in, as a modeling as a model in a modeling career. Now it's fraught, of course, of all those usual tropes when we see a young woman trying to enter the world that she dreams of to make a living, to be famous or whatever, to be a star. I mean, Valley of the Dolls, if we go right back to the 60s, it was very similar. Uh, Black Swan, this has got many echoes of that. And of course, Suspiria. Uh, Black Swan, of course, Suspiria are about dancers. So this one is about models. But the references are pretty It's similar. pretty close. They have about the same body mass. Yeah, so we have Christina Hendricks as Roberta Hoffman. She's telling her the, uh, she runs a modelling um, modeling uh, business and she's saying to her, yes, uh, you're, you've got something, definitely. By looking at you, you've got something and uh, you're not fat, she says. So there's there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's just honest people. Yeah, sure. There are, you know, there, there are fat phobia and there are paranoia and there's sexism in this. There's, there's everything in this, basically. And she tells her, you know, look, I'll pass on your photos to a well-known photographer. We'll get the photos done. You know, add it to your portfolio, see how you go. Of course, the photographer is some sort of sociopath um, with a camera and he takes a fancy to her. So, you know, as far as I think you've got the it. And so... Jessie gets more photographs covered in gold, which he uses his very own hand to paint on her body. Um, there are boundaries that are crossed in in this, of course, and this film does cross them again and again and again. Okay. But it does it with so much beautiful style and beautiful lighting and cinematography and glorious, glorious colours. How could you not? How could you not love this? You know, that's what I'm saying to people. How could you not love this? Alessandro Nivola plays a fashion designer who obviously is queer, uh, but maybe not. Ugh, they do talk about sleeping with him, the other models. Um, he's probably one of the most hilarious characters in it. He does camp it up somewhat. But even though this is sort of like bordering on over camp, it never goes that far. And then it just goes all out crazy. Um, again, you'll be reminded of Jalo films. So... Expect the unexpected, expect it quickly, bloody and misogynistically. That's what you've got to expect. And that's what I think this film comes up, trumps. Oh, <laughs> sorry. you used the T word. The T word, <laughs> trumps, uh, not Trump. Um, yes, look, it is a little bit like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. So, huh. um, Okay, Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre number two or as well? The original. Okay, know, so as, as well. well as, yeah. Um, and also, look, you can't go past the soundtrack. It is pretty much the soundtrack to Beatles soundtracks. It's Cliff Martinez, again, uh, the composer of choice for um, uh, Raffin. And uh, it's, yeah, look, he was recognised as best composer at Cannes this year. 
for the soundtrack to the Neon Demons. So I just love it. And you can probably hear it in the background. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, basically, as Robbie Collins said in dailytelegraph.org, uh, sorry, .uk, when the film reaches its logical point, end point, Raffin just keeps pushing and eventually lands on a sequence so jaw-dropping, almost certainly a slide glossy magazine reference. So yes, for the fashion industry out there, this is your, is it coup de gras? Yes. Yes. Or your, uh, this is it. Yeah. And uh, for women who are watching, uh, female identifying people who watch, and queer people who watch, I think you'll come away feeling absolutely um, assaulted, and at the same time impressed. You know the the, the passion and the performances, and Jenna Malone is a. You know, oh, I love Jenna Malone. She's amazing in it. And there are scenes in there that will have some great disapproval. Okay, awesome. I'd love okay, some disapproval. It starts with the N word. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. Necrophilia. Sorry. Oh, oh right. right. Yeah. I've gone somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I am so glad they're having a repeat performance, extra performance at the Melbourne International Film Festival. And if you, uh, mm. hopefully you get along to see it there, but I'm fairly confident this will get a oh, wider will. screening. Sh- I think it's got October penned, I mm-hmm. believe, to be released in more selective cinemas. And whichever cinema gets this one, they'll do pretty pretty well actually out of it, I'm sure. it. Uh, people are just lining up and, um, yeah, you can't... You can't uh, really fault it. Uh, it's very 1970s panoramic films, very Fellini, um, David Lynch as well, uh, an allegory of our times, I think, and um, some feminism in there. And uh, oh, I just have to mention the uh, the performances by um, Aussies, actually, who played two of the main uh, models, main characters. Um, there's Sarah the Model, played by Abby Lee Kershaw, or Abby Lee as she's known professionally, and Gigi the Model, played by another Aussie, Isabella Abella Heathcote. Now, they've both been on Neighbours, I believe, at some point, and uh, I think um, at least uh, Isabella Heathcote is doing really well. She's been in Dark Shadows, Tim Burton's film, Pride and Prejudice yep. and Zombies, and uh, she's coming up in 50 Shades Darker. Yay for that. Oh, there's always a downside, isn't there? <laughs> but they are brilliant, and I've got to say, they play um, evil yeah. bitches really well. Well, I've seen um, the latter in... Uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I thought she did a great I job. I missed that. It, it's a lot of fun. It's it's silly, but it's a lot of fun. That's good but we're not reviewing that, so I'll stop. <laughs> so that's it. That's uh, The Neon Demon, directed by Nicholas uh, Wending Raffin, produced by Lenny Borglum and, and Nicholas Wending Raffin. A screenplay by two women, uh, Mary Laws, Polly Stenham, and Nicholas is also in there helping out, I'm sure. Uh, it was his idea, actually, um, for the whole uh, film and story. He basically said one morning he woke up and realised... He was surrounded and dominated by women. Strangely, a sudden urge was planted in him to make a horror film about vicious beauty and using is Los there Angeles any other kind? as the background to that. <laughs> and I think the demon, I think we know what that is. Hmm. Uh, stars Al Fanning, uh, Carl Glossman, Jenna Malone, Bella Heathcote, Abby Lee and the wonderful Christina 
Hendrix appears, though only shortly. And Keanu Reeves. Oh, really? Yes. I had no really. idea. Really. Not the greatest, but no. we love him anyway. It is music by Cliff Martinez, cinematography by a woman, Natasha Breyer, edited by Matthew Newman. Well done to Gaumont Film, Wild Bunch, and Bold Films, Vendian Entertainment, and Space Rocket Nation. And it will be out, hopefully very soon, around the world. Uh, running time, 117 minutes. Look, it was only, they only spent um, $7 million on it, and it's already made close to $4 million. They should do fine. They should do real fine. Mm. Will out of there 10? be a sequel? I don't know. Uh, out of 10, I'm giving this 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. I know. No, it's impressed. It's a lot nice. to live up to. <laughs> I look forward to seeing it myself. So. Mm. Uh, you are listening to a podcast of Sci-Fi and Scream, Undead on Joy 94.9. Having a party or something? You know what my mother used to call me? Having a party or something? You know what my mother used to call me? Having a party or something? You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. Dangerous. Undead. Time for a fishy tale. A Clayton? How fishy? (laughs) Very fishy. It is. The Polish film The Lure, Mm. which had a little more in it than I expected. Yes, yes, yes. Or had less. (laughs) Uh, hmm. Uh, I'm going to jump straight into the synopsis. Okay. So, two mermaids or sirens depending on how you like to look at them mm. decide to exit the water enjoy the land of the walking mm. and become lounge singers yes, you do. In, in a gentleman's club or an adult well, adult club adult club yeah. nightclub kind of yeah. slash might be brothel out the back semi brothel yeah lots of live in situation mm. so they join the band mm. well <laughs> the band is by the shore and that's where they the two mer females woman girls them, yes. see them and yeah. they are singing, and so I guess they think, oh, well, 
like-minded creatures yeah. attract like-minded creatures. And uh, so that's the bait, isn't it? It is. And it just turns out that these uh, merwomen happen to be also quite hungry on the human flesh. So well, they, as you do. Yeah, absolutely. Fish eat fish, other fish, yes. don't they? Well, these eat other... They eat crabs, they eat... I've seen... I have seen fish eating a bigger fish. I've seen tiny little fish in my tropical fish tank attacking the big, beautiful angelfish And did you death. sit there with popcorn or...? No, it was over a period of a month, slowly oh. eating at it. And we wondered why the angelfish was looking more dilapidated and less angelic and a bit threadbare, one could say, with the scales and fins, and that the other little fish, the little boring, dark little fish, was just getting bigger... And bigger and bigger. It's a fish eat fish world. Yes. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, this is this is what this film's about. It is. It? And uh, but the big surprise for me was that this is a musical. Yes, you <laughs> yeah. told me. Yeah. It's a musical, Sonia. And I went, ah, oh, yeah. I didn't realise that either. But <laughs> just, you weren't expecting it to be it's a musical. It's like Polish MTV. It, it was really something is. like that. Yeah. Yes. It tra- it actually the film in Polish is called Korgi. Mm, nothing to do with corgis. Corgis. No uh, corgis were harmed. In the, make- uh, the film actually is titled Corgi da Single, translates to Daughters of the Dance Club. I think I like the lure better. The lure's better, mm. yeah. And of course, this is uh, Agnieszka Szmorzika's film. First time her film has been, uh, any of her films have been at uh, Melbourne International Film Festival, and hopefully not the last. It's very unique. Isn't it? It's, it's like, definitely it's 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 out there. It's, and it, it, I've not seen mermaids, flesh eating mermaids before. No, not not in, not as a feature film, not as a musical, not as eel like. Because the tales, I have to say, people, um, they make sense. There's a lot no more fins. sense. They're actually like an eel. That's exact thought like I had. A moray this, this makes eels. more sense to yeah. how a tale. And they've got teeth like a moray eel, actually. Mm. And we all know what moray eels try to do to lovely Jacqueline Bissett in the deep. Think of that. A mm. yapping, vicious moray eel coming out of a black hole, mm. coming at your face, trying they to s- take your goggles off and attacking you in places you shouldn't be attacked. They also have the vagina at the end of the tail. That's <laughs> right. They have a little slit. Yes. Which you can put your fingers into. As we find out later in the film, uh, when the woman who's the human land lover, a uh, woman who runs the the, the band as a trio, mm. she suspects her, uh, the other band member who she's obviously in a relationship with, she suspects him of something fishy because his fingers smell fishy. Mm. And so maybe his fingers have been somewhere. Anyway, um, the two uh, female mer women in question, mer girls, uh, there's uh, Shribna, or Silver, uh, played by Marta Mazarek. And there's Golden, or Zwata, uh played by Mikalina Olszanska. I was so leaving that to you. I know I, you were. <laughs> yeah. looking very tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, maybe you just need, you know, to come down a scale or two. Uh, All the puns. It's a pun puntastic. <laughs> but... Okay, so what happens is uh, they do run a little amok, or should I say they get a bit, you know, into deep water. Mm-hmm. It's a slippery, slippery slope. Okay, we can <laughs> stop that now. Pool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to turn off your mic. <laughs> no. So um, basically, they can be they're telepathic fish as well. Yeah, they got. Or they can actually. I think they can communicate through sonar. As oh. well. Yeah, they kind of make it's these sonar noises. Cat noises and dolphin noises. Something isn't it? like that, yeah. It's, disturbing. it's interesting. But um, there is legend amongst the mer people that mm. if a mermaid falls in love with someone and that person marries another, 
Mm. They will turn to sea foam by the next light. Mm. So it's got a bit of a vampire thing to it. Absolutely, so that kind of yeah. um, idea. There's a bit of um, body modification in there as well. Yes, there is. <laughs> it can be a bit shocking to some, and uh-huh. there's a lot of nudity. There is. Um, and it's really interesting. It made me think, actually, which is unusual. It made me think about that very thing: uh, a woman's bodies and mm. naked women's bodies, where we have usually vaginas and things like that. Obviously, um, it was so less. Trying to think of the word. Um, confronting is not really the word. Provocative. So less provocative, yeah. When you see, when you don't see it, and it's mm. not there. Yeah. I know that sounds odd, and it's like watching dolls walking around. Well, the Barbie dolls. Disturbing. Sorry, the burn people in their natural <laughs> yeah. form, or sorry, in their two legged form, yep. are very Barbie dolly. So. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. Disturbing. It, uh, it isn't very not um, comfortable to watch, mm, mm. but like it's it's kind of better than we're making it sound. I think <laughs> it's because it's a little bit different from anything I've ever seen. I can't mm. think of a film I would say, "Oh, this is just like," yeah, because it is very different. I can't think of that many horror musicals. No, not like, like this, and no. not from Poland. No. Now, apparently, um, the director Agnieszka Szmoszyka, um, she likened the mermaids to immigrants abused by mm. the locals used in the sex industry, for example, on their way to their real goal, which is America. And she added they represent innocence, yet their odour, the smell of fish, and slime recalled girls maturing. They menstruate. They ovulate, their bodies start smelling and feeling different. And when you look at it, and when you think of what she's trying to say there, it makes so much more sense yeah. to the film and to the power of that film, which I think I would hope more people will see. And certainly um, it's probably in danger of being remade into an American version, unfortunately. But still, it would have some weight, I think, to it, to the ideas there. And I did wonder that when they first come across the girls and they say, well, how did you know about, you know, um, how could you speak Polish? How come they can speak Polish? Yes. Because not just their mer language, their sonar fishy language. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, oh, well, we heard it on the beaches of Bulgaria. And mm-hmm. of course, as everyone knows in Europe, Bulgaria is notoriously, uh, stereotypically known to be, uh, the, one of the biggest trading countries in Europe, mm. Eastern Europe, of sex trafficking and underage girls for sex trafficking. So I thought they put little things like that throughout the film. Um, I'm sure people will get the idea of of the political uh, aspect of this movie. And, and that in itself, the political sexual politics of it and gender politics makes it very interesting. And at the same time, uh, far-reaching and, and accessible because it is, like I said, a Polish MTV. It's it's bright. It's cheerful. Ooh. The performances are, are also happy and go lucky. And I quite like the music. It's quite it's quite it's nice. And yeah. although it's kind of strange reading a musical, mm. it still is enjoyable. And yeah. this, the, the the melodies are quite nice. And I, I like foreign music anyway. So yeah, it is a bit. Um, Eurovisionish, a little, a little bit, yeah. Uh, but that maybe that may explain why I like it because I do love my Eurovision. <laughs> so, what are you, uh, what are you giving this one? I'm only going to go for a six, um, but yeah. a better six than the other six. But I don't feel like oh, I'm quite giving it. A, I gave it also gave Baskin a six. Baskin's not a musical. No, no, no. Although I, it could be, it could, that would be much more it interesting. It would be probably uh, death metal. Yeah, I would say. 
wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. Deep House, Death mm-hmm. Metal, Dirge. Yeah. Um, Goff, maybe. Uh, I'm giving this. A, I'm giving this a seven out of ten. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe some things were lost in translation. I think so too. And if you don't know the political situations and cultural aspects, I guess, background of Poland and what Poland represents and also, you know, like the Bulgaria thing I mentioned, you might be lost in mm. translation. But apart from that, it's enjoyable, it's wrong, it's quite provocative. So but... if people had to go see one film out of Baskin and The Lure, which one would you tell mm. them to go to? I'd say The Lure, actually. Me too. Yeah. I think Baskin is the right for the right audience. Yeah. The Lure is... Probably a much more interesting film. And can reach, uh, hopefully, a wider audience. Definitely. Definitely for girls and women. Mm. All right. And yeah. men. Yeah, because oh, I, I just couldn't stand one of the – well, all the men look terrible in this film. They do. They are. They're horrible characters. Mm. They're either exploiting the women, they're fucking them, they're not fucking them because they don't want to because they're not perfect. Yeah. And there's that whole uh, – I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's a whole thing of the body not being good enough for the man to yeah. fuck, and and it's just awful. It didn't make yeah, it was exploitative. Ugh. Yeah, so um, but I don't, none men, of that's incident, accidental, by the way. It's no, all very much intentional. Yeah, so. I think mm. she's making a film that is very deliberate to say that, and uh, that's what makes it quite a feminist film. It sounds like it could almost be something to discuss on broad. And we will. (laughs) (laughs) Mondays at 9pm. 9pm, that's right. You don't panel for it, obviously. No, on Joy 94.9. No, why would I panel for the feminist show? I don't know. (laughs) The Lure is playing, still has a session, I believe, to go. If I'm wrong, tell me off. Uh, Yes, it does. The 10th of August and 6.30pm. It's nice and early. It's also at uh, one of the extreme screens. So that will be a hoot, actually. There's some great uh, music video points to it and um it'll look fantastic on the big screen absolutely um yeah. i definitely gonna say if you're gonna see it see it on the big screen don't wait well for that's DVD. the extreme you know yeah. how big the screens are there no that's a huge those uh. are the one of the biggest screens in melbourne city okay great so that's amazing enjoy <laughs> i wish they'd had the neon demon i have to say the comedy theater blah, hmm. sorry but the neon demon should have been on an extreme screen neon demon was in the comedy theater oh those seats, I'm telling you, that seat ate my ass. Yeah, look, they're not really designed for people like us, Sonia. <laughs> they're <laughs> so, not designed no. for people. <laughs> they're not even. Imagine a mermaid trying to sit on one of those seats. Where Definitely. would you put your your eely, you know, your finny? You just have to break out the hairdryer and make sure you're very dry. That's right. Mm. And this film won't make you dry. Uh, quick aside, <laughs> um, have you heard they're remaking Splash? I know, and it's going to have that guy in it. Um, Channing Tatum. Yeah. But he's going to be the mer person. So Will he be a merman? Uh, yes. He Will he be go- vicious? Will he have barracuda teeth? Will it break into song? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. But I kind of doubt it. Yeah, it is going to be Hollywood. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's all I have to say about that. Blah. No thanks. I'm agreeing. I like my fish to be of the feminine variety. And musical. <laughs> With some glitter and some music. Yeah, sure. You bet. You're on Sci-Fi and Scream, Undead on Joy 94.9. Dobry wieczór bardzo szanownemu państwu Zespół Figi Daktyle Z gościnnym udziałem dwóch sióstr A jak się nazywacie? Ja złota, a ja srebrna Będą robiły u nas chórki i striptizy Przed państwem córki dancingu
Kocham cię. Jak się zakocha, on weźmie ślub z kimś innym. Chodź, muszę ci coś powiedzieć. Musicie się tylko dobrze bawić, reszta pójdzie sama. Undead goes high rise for Myth 2016. And did you jump? I didn't, Amy. Jump. I didn't. Um, high rise. Look, highly, highly anticipated. Incredibly. Uh, a lot of people have been waiting for this a long time. It is, I believe, Ben Wheatley director's opus. I would say. Oh, nice. Mm, and that's um, a tough thing to say. And any any hard act to follow probably from it. Directed by Ben Wheatley, uh, written by the mysterious, almost mysterious, Amy Jump, not to be confused with Amanda Jump. No. (laughs) Based on the J.G. Ballard's sci-fi dystopical novel, High Rise, stars Thomas, I was going to say, 
his friends at school called him Thomas. Tom Hiddleston, Jeremy Irons, Sienna Miller, Luke Evans, also known as Dracula, and the wonderful Elizabeth Moss. Music by Clint Mansell. Some people get him confused with Cliff Martinez. They have the same initials. Okay. Just like Jarvis Cocker has with Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean it's the same person. Or some people might argue with that. <laughs> Including Jarvis, <laughs> yep. if you know Pulp at all. This is not Pulp. This is an impassioned hate letter to the English hierarchy, the white colonialist imperialist cretins who run the United Kingdom. This is a Brexit, unplugged sci-fi revisiting the 70s and it's set in the 1970s even though it's science fiction they've set it at the time it was written by Ballard they've set it at the time it's described in the book by Ballard nice that makes it I don't know what you call it but it makes it set in time uh, yeah it's it's of its time it's a dystopian alternate past Yes, although when it was written, it was for the future. Yeah, but so mm. they haven't changed it. They haven't gone and done a Hamlet on it, mm. or Romeo and Juliet, and that's good. That's refreshing. I guess it's similar to Predestination in that they kept it as it yes. was in in and terms of time they, and yeah, well, attempted to yes, yeah, a very similar in that respect. But this is J.G. Ballard, and of course, there's all those assumptions that go with that. There's all that um, mana, if you like, or you know, what plagues a lot of science fiction ba- films based on great novels like this is how to do it, how to be respectful of doing it, I suppose, and what the fans and the people who follow this uh, sort of literature, what they expect. I mean, it would be like um, if someone took Jane Austen and decided to make them zombie killers or something. I mean, who would do that? <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's. It's a hard thing to, to follow through with. And um, it's been teasing the internet for close on to a year now, but it's finally been released. And Myth had the screening. Um, they had just uh, two screenings in July and uh, beginning of August and sold out, packed, 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 unfortunately, at the Comedy Theatre. Uh, mm. But we have talked about the seats there. So this is the adaptation of J.G. Ballard's brutally subversive 1975 classic, um, now, he's a favourite at Myth, of course, Ben Wheatley. A field in England. You couldn't get more trippier. Have you seen that by any chance, Clayton? I haven't actually, no, but I should check trip it out. Trip it mm-hmm. out. It, did I say trip it out? Trip, trip it, it out. out. I trip it out. I think he turn might the have sound been, off. Yeah. Turn the sound off and just let it run. Okay. And just lie there going, what is going on? Then turn the sound up and listen to it and you'll still be puzzled and confused. Mm. But at the same time, you know that you've seen something, you've witnessed something really profoundly important for English cinema has been reborn single-handedly, I would say, and that's really uh, precocious of me to say, by this particular man and his partner in crime, Amy Jump, um, who writes the films, all the films so far, including uh, A Field in England, which explains a lot about the Puritans in America because it's set in the 17th century at the time of this English Civil War and the people that are at the receiving end of that, the ones that are pretty much the losers, mm. leave and are sent or go to um, on the Mayflower, head off to that place called America and ruin everything. But anyway, you can see where that comes from, the very tight, restrictive, oppressive religiousness 
of the Protestant movement in the in the UK or as it was England back then. It really does come out very strongly. So this is a person, a director and a writer. They both, this man and woman, the Wheatleys, Mr. and Mrs. Wheatley on their website, which you can go and find. It's on Blogger, actually. There's nothing flash about it. Uh, here we have one of the biggest films of the decade, I would say, in fact, the next 30 years. And they still have a, a blog spot, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Wheatley, taking photos on golf courses, as you do, as you do. Um, so, yeah, there's some weighty meat for them to to actually get you know get stuck into when you when you're having to um, represent something like a J.G. Ballard and which represents England at the time of of 1975 or is it? Because certainly when I was uh, watching it, I was thinking this is Brexit, this is England now, this is all the racism, uh, you know the macro the microcosm of the macrocosm. Mm. You're seeing the terrible class situation they have in England, which still infuses everything. You can see that with the Tory party at the moment. I mean, I'm no expert, but you can see them ripping into everyone and everything, including themselves like vicious cannibals. And this film certainly shows that. Basically, we have this uh, apartment. Tom Hiddleston's character is a doctor, and he um, he obviously he wants to be in this apartment block, this high-rise block, because it's very sought after. There's a waiting list. It alludes to... Uh, the prestige of being and the status of him being able to live in this place. Okay. Mm. <coughs> like, um, it's probably a terrible analogy, but it sounds mm. like the land of the dead film where they had that, where all the rich people were left very still similar. while very much around it, everybody else was in exactly. squalor or a zombie. So Very similar. Mm-hmm. Although the people, you don't see the ground floors to start with. You don't even get a really a hint of any of those sort of people until later in the film. Um, what you do see instead is how the corruption is from above. The corruption is internal. So you have the guy called The Architect, played by Jeremy Irons, and he's on the top, top floor. He's top deck. He's the 40th floor. And there's a f- hilarious scene. And Jeremy Irons plays Mr. Top, you know, top deck so well. His little spectacles on and yeah. everything. He just has that... Ca- persona about himself evil he's a creepy omnipresence yes he certainly is in this one but he's almost a sympathetic character as well um he's there on the top floor and they've got a beautiful garden and uh tom hiddleston's character because he's a doctor he's got something to trade he's got something a profession that can be Mm. useful exploited whatever so he's invited to the top floor which is unusual he's invited up there at the beginning of the film early in the film and uh, he looks around and there's a white horse this beautiful white mare, just right in the middle of this garden on the top, top floor. And um, he turns and says to the architect, Jeremy Irons, and says, is that a horse? And Jeremy Irons goes, yes, probably. <laughs> it's my wife. She, you know, he goes, my wife. Wanted she, a horse. She uh, wanted a horse, so she got mm-hmm. a horse. Yeah. And so there's this whole thing which becomes more and more apparent about just how the conservative classes represented in this building – uh, not just toffs, but and not just annoying toffs, you know, not just annoying rich people, but actually um, malignant, uh, dangerous, toxic people with prejudice, with with these terrible ideas of class and structure and and um, money and poverty and all these terrible ideas of that keeps them at the top and why they are more superior and all this sort of stuff. And you begin to think these people are awful. And I'm living in the world I am today. And this is just 
uh, a snapshot of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have to say, this has been homelessness week, and um, I looked outside the Joy Studios earlier, and uh, we've had a homeless community of sorts um, living makeshift campsites downstairs. This is what Melbourne's turned into. We've got makeshift campsites. Uh, the poverty's there for everyone to see and no one's doing anything. No one in great authority is actually making a real concerted effort to make a statement and do something. They made a statement this week. National, po- um, National Poverty Week, well, National Homeless Week, they cleared them all out. <laughs> They've now disappeared mm. and nobody knows where they are. High rises for the film for you to watch. Because if you're that sort of person that thinks you can just eliminate eliminate some people that you don't like, uh, immigrants, homeless people, people of colour, whatever it might be, then High Rise is perhaps something that you not only should watch, but I think you should go and read the book. Because mm. clearly, clearly the story is very much about class, race, sexism, misogyny, all those things. And... Um, these are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> these are a few of my favorite things. I am raving, but I just can't help That's it. That's okay. And, of course, there's all these little references. For those who know the 70s, will be aware of uh, Tom Hiddleston's character, as I mentioned, was a doctor, uh, Dr. Lang, L-A-I-N-G, of course, like the philosopher, uh, Lang, of course, R.D. Lang. Um, Jeremy Irons is Anthony Royal. That's pretty obvious. We've got Sienna Miller, who um, does an amazing job, an amazing performance as Charlotte Melville. Again, there's references there. Uh, Luke Evans plays Richard Wilder, and he is. He's sort of like this community journalist, um, hint, hint, who knows that there are things wrong in the world. He knows. and he's, But he, yet he wants to be in this apartment building. He wants to be in this high-rise, which is all about status. And it is England, after mm. all. Um, he's married to Elizabeth Moss, an amazing performance once again. She's doing so well after Queen of Earth. Uh, she plays the wife, obviously, uh, Helen Wilder. And he basically neglects her. She's like nine and a half months pregnant, ten months pregnant, because she keeps saying the baby won't come out, the baby won't come out. Oh. And she's getting bigger and bigger, but the baby won't come out. And um, things are falling apart. There's power cuts. Uh, three days a week becomes four days a week. And the architect clearly doesn't know what he's doing, or does he? Mm-hmm. So this is a man who's uh, instrumental, like a puppet master, playing with all these lives in this huge, brutalist apartment block. It's just straight out of the same, you know, big, brutal hulking piece of concrete shit and you know 40 floors of mayhem just like you know the raid movie but uh luke evans is incredible as richard wilder you know he's the journalist he's got the little tape recorder um what is it eight track on his on his um you know on his shoulder and a shoulder bag and with a little microphone so it's got that a retro very 70s you know people will laugh when they see some of the equipment they're using you know, there's no selfies, there's no phones, there's not like that. Anyway, there's the old dial phones and, you know, there's just... So it stays true to time. It stays true to time and everything. And Keely Hawes plays Anne Royal, um, um, uh, Jeremy Irons' wife, Anthony Royal, and she's just amazing. She's sort of this... Um, well, you feel that she's an oppressed woman, with the horse. With no no with well, yes, she has the horse. <laughs> she has the horse. She doesn't ride it though. She has a friend who does that, Sienna Gilroy, who plays Jan Sheridan. And she's a star. And mm. she walks into every scene saying, Do you want my autograph? 
and she is a star. And that's the image you'll see. We'll put that up of her riding the horse naked, just wearing a fur, a pelt of some poor dozen uh, indigenous wombats or something. Um, or probably um, some other ermine, I think it's ermine. Um, yeah, great cast. I, I can't, I can't um, fault it. And some repeats there too from previous um, Wheatley and Jump films who turn up some people you might recognise from Kill List, which was a huge hit at MIF back in the day. Uh, fabulous. Have you seen Kill List? I have not seen that. So yeah. I'll have to check that out too. It's it's slightly better than Baskin. Okay. But there's a lot of blood. It's kind of similar. Okay. Kind of not. Mm-hmm. But it's not a musical. Okay, that's good. Neither was Baskin. So um, where are we going with this one out of Where 10? are we going with this one full stop? Oh. It's a hard one because it's like, oh, my God, it's so much rooted in the past and the future and now and being science fiction and no one's dared to do it before uh, with this particular J.G. Ballard as far as I'm aware. If George Irwell was alive in the 70s and had wanted to – you know, be part of a making a film. This would be it. Um, Certainly, all well. It's a to new mind classic. Your description. Yeah, so. it's, it's a new classic. <laughs> and if Jarek Jarman was still alive, this would be something he would have made. It reminds me of Jubilee, because we've got a society that's crumpling, that's falling apart, is rotten to the core. It's very about the UK, uh, infighting. People start to become of type. You know, you'll get some of the people from the so-called lower floors, instead of lower classes, lower floors, Mm -hmm. who actually have more in common with people from the upper floors Mm -hmm. or the upper class or the well-educated or well-heeled silver spooners. So when there's a crisis, this is what usually happens in most dystopical stories, Um, what what a person becomes can be very different what, what the original person is at the start. So... Without giving too much away, yes, people will be quite shocked. There's some very shocking scenes, more confrontational shocking than Neon Demon, uh, Neon Demon as such. Uh, I like Neon Demon. Neon Demon. Neon Demon. <laughs> um, so out of I, 10? Think, I think this is going to be hard for people to mm. yeah, digest, <laughs> to understand as well, to okay. get with it because it's, uh, it, it's like an HBO series or squashed into – um, uh, you know, 119 minutes. I'm giving this because I want to. I wanted to love this, but I just, I just really couldn't love it enough. I'm giving it eight out of ten. Eight. Okay, so Neon Demon or this? Well, they're both. I would like to see the Neon Demon in the high rise building. Okay, that sure. would be great. Al Fanning would be fabulous with Tom Hiddleston, mm-hmm. but I think uh, true the performance, Derigur in this. Is Luke Evans okay. and Sienna Miller, two names I like very much too. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, it's good to see her have a comeback. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, a very strong pivotal role, and many people might say at the beginning of this film, this is not for women. This is definitely anti-woman or sexist, misogynistic. However, hang in there. Even though your seat might be uncomfortable, like mine was, hang in there because the um, yeah the Dunormont. Is worth it I will, at the end. I will hang. It's there. always worth it. No, I actually am looking forward to see it because it does look very oh. 
bleak and beautiful. Classic. Mm. Uh, Cinematography, just Mm. amazing. Laurie Rose, just incredible. Edited by Amy Jump and Ben Wheatley. Uh, This is their own production too, Hanway Films. Um, Distributed by Studio Canal, very smart move. Um, You know, it's it's already doing pretty well. It's made close to four million at the box office already. Um, Released... End of last year or September last year at TIFF, so that's a Toronto International Film Festival. Most of the ones we've talked about have been, <coughs> excuse me, Khan or Sundance. Music by Clint Mansell, as I mentioned. Uh, certainly, um, look, uh, this is a passion project, and I would say this is the one that writes the jumps, Mr. and Mrs. Jump, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Wheatley. This will write their ticket to Hollywood. Let's hope they don't waste it on a superhero movie. No, indeed. Indeed, exactly. Undead. I'm sure I'm Taika Waititi's doing a great job. Did uh, you say take away titty? No, I said I'm sure Taika Waititi is doing a <laughs> great job. I said take away titty. I'm like, uh, maybe that's his away, nickname. There are some takeaway titties in this. Uh, okay, so I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm sure Taika Waititi is doing a great job of his superhero film. And there's some beautiful bod action. Yeah. With Tom Hiddleston, okay, which yeah, I know well, you want to see. I do like some Tom Hiddleston. So mm. does Sienna Miller. Mm. Mm. Oh, well, I mean her character. Is, mm, is Taika Waititi working with uh, Tom Hiddleston right now? <sighs> He's working with everyone right yeah. now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth mm. and uh, what's his name? Um, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Has just left the building. Yes, he's just finished his recording. I love that how we say that. They've just left the building. Mm. This is about a building, people. Nice. You and your puns. You got more puns in there. This is about a brutalist building, about a brutalist time that we live in. 1975, 1975, 2016. It could be any time. It's the same thing. Good science fiction is more fact than science or fiction. Mm. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast of Sci-Fi and Screen (laughs) Undead. died. (laughs) Uh, we, we would, hey, <laughs> if you've made it this far, my uh, horse has got up the stairs. It's got it's got its white fur over it for you to wear, wrap around yourself. It's a kangaroo. It's a giant. Yeah. I wish can you know they're not big enough. Kangaroos. We need the super. Remember Super Gondwana Land? Yes. When they were big. Yes, I very am, big. I, I like am. very big. How fucking big were they? No. <laughs> I feel like this is the start of a really <laughs> bad joke. Uh, How <laughs> high year- can you jump? <laughs> yeah. Before we uh, lose Sonia entirely to insanity, um, you have been listening to our Sci-Fi and Scream Undead podcast of our Myth installment. It, well, it's the last one with Sonia anyway. No, it's no. the last myth. It, it, this will be the last of our myth We're not ones. We're doing any more. No. <laughs> you exhausted. I have watched a lot of films. You yeah. have watched more than me. So no, yeah, you, crazy. you get, yeah. But, um, but yeah, we've definitely done a lot of myth films. Look, And I really appreciate the fact that they let us preview yeah. these films to help promote this festival because it is an important festival and I it look is. forward to continuing further and into the future. it should be all year round. That'd be great. <laughs> I think there is a certain cinema in Melbourne that does a lot of these all year round, but yeah. yeah, not yeah. As, there's, mm-hmm. there's a wonderful ACMI, mm-hmm. there's Nova, of course, all of those wonderful palace cinemas and the Astor and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They all do great stuff. So shout out and big thanks again to the Melbourne International Film Festival and to Asia Publicity, uh, Sarah, Francis, Isabella and Asha for your help. It's been marvellous. And Stephanie, almost forgot you. Okay. But thank you so much. 
Very much, thank and you. Thank and you, Clay Thompson. No problem. And I will be looking forward to some more sci-fi and scream undead coming up very shortly. I think we need a break for a week. Or <laughs> we might do a break before a week or two. Because I need to catch up with Stranger Things. Yes, you do. I mean the TV show. And we're, we're going to do a better review than I did briefly on there. No, that review was good. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's just I brief. forgot it already. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great, but we do need to go deeper. Yes. Into the realms of horror past television. And, mm. and weird. Stranger Things just didn't come out of a vacuum. No, no way. No, and I have just finished listening to American Gods by Ooh. Neil Gaiman. Um, I, when I say listening to, the to series, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I I did the audiobook, which I actually recommended doing it because they voiced all the characters and was like a radio play. So cool. Really enjoyed that. So we'll, I will probably combine that when the new series comes out too. So when is it? Do you early next year, I believe. So, oh damn! Yeah. So is Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm sure All there'll right. be lots coming out between now and then. Uh, we've yes. got some Luke Cage. It can't be too far off. Can I, I want my Luke Cage now. <gasps> yes, mm. getting cagey, getting yeah. cagey. Mm-hmm. You know what they say. I don't know, but now I've just got his pecs <laughs> in my mind and that's where I've gone. They uh, say, uh, ooh, sweet Christmas. Oh, yeah. 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 Nice. All right. Thank All you right. very much for listening. You're on Sci-Fi and Scream Undead on Joy 94. satisfied with life in the high-rise. He felt able to relax, more in charge of himself. I put all my energies into this time. You built all this. The ones who were the real danger were the self-contained types like you. One thing was certain. Lang would surrender to a logic more powerful than reason. Thanks for listening to Sci-Fi and Scream Undead. A podcast of Joy 94.9. You can find more at joy.org.au forward slash sci-fi and squeam. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.